All right, good evening, everyone. You don't have to do that. At work, I'm used to, good morning, Mr. Brown. But you don't have to do that. Like when you said, I'm Garrett Brown, uh, no relation to Dr. Brene. You never know. You never know. Last time, people did come expecting some kind of, and I'm like, no, she's, she's not my mom. Um, so last year, uh, Elle and I taught a series. Uh, she was another core group leader here at the Open Table. She's since gone on to grad school, but we taught a series on one of Brene Brown's old books, um, The Gifts of Imperfection, and we took people through not so much the material in the book, but these exercises on creativity, authenticity, and learning to love the messiness and the imperfection of life and the gifts that are in those imperfections. So we're going to build on that by previewing uh, one of her new books tonight, but first, Tony and I just want to uh, tell you a little bit about ourselves. Um, so I'm an art teacher, but creativity is not the biggest part of what we're going to be discussing tonight. Braving the Wilderness is about the paradox of true belonging. And here at the Open Table, one of our main core values is a deep, deep welcome. We want people to feel safe here, welcome here, like they have a place at the Open Table. But we've all been places before where either with our families or our jobs, with our friends, sometimes in relationships, romantically or you know, uh, platonic, where yes, you're at the table, but you don't, you don't feel like it's an authentic, true belonging. It costs you something. And there's a paradox there where sometimes, even at our jobs, they want us there, and our families want us there, but they want us to come as a certain rendition of ourselves, right? A watered-down version, an inauthentic. What am I trying to say? Inauthentic. Inauthentic version of ourselves. The great part about doing Brene Brown content is that you can be sweaty and make mistakes, and it's like it's fine because you're talking about imperfection. So anyway, I'll be approaching this throughout the series through two lenses. One, as a man talking about the messiness of emotions and the emotional spectrum when oftentimes society tells men you can be one way. You can be strong. You can be you know, confident. Uh, we don't want to see you cry. We don't want to see you in indecision. We don't want to see you, uh, you know, struggle with doubt. We want to see you this one strong way. And the other way I'm going to be approaching this is as a black man in America, where, uh, yes, places make me feel like I belong, but is that a deep, true belonging without paradox? Do you want the full version of me with all the complexities of my doubts and my fears and my questions for you? and uh, my questions of your privilege, and my questions of my safety, and my family's safety, or do you want this like nice, comedic, sitcom-friendly version of what a black man has been in the media, right? And so I'm someone who, uh, I face challenges in both of those arenas. As a man, I've been told, um, well, you're too dramatic, and you're too emotional, and you're too, you cry too much. You cry too much at those Pixar movies. <laughs> I, um, and I would contend that I want to show people the full emotional spectrum of what it is to be a, a masculine person in these days. I mean, I, I think we can redefine masculinity through work like this. And so also as, as a black man, I feel like these are perilous times and we need to speak truthfully and honestly to power. And we have to call out the BS and um, the things that there's no one way to be black in America. There's no one way to be a person of color uh, in these times. And so 
this work is very, very important to me personally. I was someone who was code switching before I even knew what that term meant. I remember being a little kid and being one way with one set of friends and one way with another set of friends and not knowing why I had that instinct, but being very profoundly touched by how I had to compartmentalize my life to feel welcome in different spaces. And I was someone who um, dealt with racial, I would call them microaggressions, but they're not really microaggressions. I, I didn't know that was not a thing, but... Uh, hearing people use racial slurs or um, maybe ones that I had been protected from even. I remember um, there's this thing that happens sometimes where someone will say, oh, sorry, my dog doesn't like black people or, my, oh, sorry, my grandpa is kind of rude. He, you know, he doesn't like black people. And it's like that was just a normal thing when I was a kid. And so how deep is that welcome? How much can I truly belong if it's not a deep belong? And if you don't want someone to truly, truly be at your table? And so uh, this work is very important to me. We're going to talk about braving the world and braving the wilderness right after Tony introduces some of his stuff. Like Garrett, one of the things, <clears throat> excuse me, like Garrett, one of the things I really love about this work is it gives me as a male an opportunity to be perceived as something other than one way, that we are taught to be strong, we're taught to be certain ways. So my lens is, again, with that, which I think is also a great lifting point of the idea of studying femininity as well, which is what our next set will be, was we're now given a vocabulary on how to express our emotions as men because of this work of this woman. And that's one of the things I really love about this work. Another one of the ideas is her idea of shame and vulnerability and where they come from are very important to me because they're things I deal with on a daily basis as an openly gay man, dealing with ideas of internalized homophobia, trying to work out my own ideas of shame and vulnerability, and, and being out and proud and vulnerable in that fashion every day and making that choice. And this is the work that has been really helpful for to me. So without further ado, let's kind of, you kind of get our background and where we are and where, how we're invested in this, but we want to give you an opportunity to look at what braving the wilderness is. So we're going to talk about what wilderness is from a biblical standpoint. The Bible talks about wilderness almost 299 to 300 times. What does that mean? And I'm going to turn that over to Garrett and let him go from there. Sure. So when we talk about the wilderness, you can already, your mind starts to spiral thinking about all the literature and film and poetry that uses this like image of the wild, right? Going out into the wilderness already comes with this impactful meaning. I'm going out and I'm braving the wilderness. When we're talking about being our true selves, the wilderness is the world. It's our families. It's our jobs. It's, uh, unfortunately, it's even church community. Sometimes you're going out and you're trying to present your true self in a place where you can't control the outcome and you don't know what dangers are there. But in the context of the book, she's talking about when you stand alone in your beliefs, in your decisions. Sometimes we stand alone politically, emotionally, sometimes physically. I mean, I think about um, friends of mine who might be the only person who are able the way they are. They might be the only person in space in a wheelchair, the only person with a certain... Uh, uh, ability and they have to stand in that physically. There's all these different ways that you can stand alone. Notions of solitude, vulnerability, a physical, emotional, spiritual quest. Okay, and so and the, one of the two big things she talks about is not just braving the wilderness and going out, but becoming the wilderness, like letting that seep into your personage and your personality, breaking down ideological bunkers, like not just saying I'm a, a Christian and hiding behind that, but actually saying, well, this is what I believe within that Christianity and risking the disapproval of others, risking the offense of others, um, living with a wild heart. Tony's going to talk in a minute about the paradox within all this. There's something 
uh, kind of tricky. Sorry. Yes. Can, can somebody move that? This, yeah, you're right. Not a great spot, sorry. There's something paradoxical and kind of tricky about true belonging because we all want to be part of something bigger than us. I think as I read uh, chapter two of this book, Braving the Wilderness, I thought, well, this applies to everyone. Everybody wants to be part of something bigger than themselves. That's one of the definitions of uh, a belonging. But we don't want it to come at a cost. We don't want it to come at the cost of our true selves. We don't want to have to put away part of our personalities or part of our identities to be part of a group. And I think this notion, this paradox is what keeps people from sometimes joining church communities and can make you feel alienated within your families. In just a moment, we're going to have a grounding exercise where we'll get to think about instances in our own lives where we felt this and we'll get to talk about it with our peers around us. But I, I venture to say we've all felt this. And what Tony and I were thinking about earlier today was the deepest wounds and the deepest areas that we felt this uh, paradox of belonging have been in our biological family sometimes where you're with the people who like share your blood and share your genes and you're kind of still like I'm not one of you I feel like I can't be myself here and like you don't accept the full me and how profoundly that hurt can affect other areas of our life and of course that ripples out into like I said um, jobs and relationships and stuff like that I mean to a point if you go to a job you don't have the same expectations and requirements of like your employers to welcome you as your biological family or the people you're there, your chosen family. And so we want deeply to present our real selves to people, but we don't want to present it at the cost of like surrender. If it's up for conditions all the time, if it's always up for negotiation, it's always something that's being like re-upped and you have to like check in and see if you're still loved by these people or still loved or still accepted. That's not a real belonging. That's not true belonging. So Brene Brown has this notion in the book of belonging to yourself. Belonging um, alone. And it sounds so strange. It's something that I think it, it rung true to me when I first heard it. But it is paradoxical. It's something that it doesn't quite make sense in the literal sense. Sometimes you know, especially if you're a person of color, if you're someone that uh, is some non-binary uh, thing, sometimes you're used to this idea of like, well, I know who I am and I know how I can exist alone in a group and be the only one like me. I know how I can be strong and still be the only me. And I think we all have some area like that, whether it's a political belief, a religious belief, so on and so forth. Okay, so when we talk about the wilderness, that is what we're discussing. Tony's going to come now and lead us in an exercise to kind of get us all grounded in this notion. And to kind of give you an over-idea of, of the paradox that we're talking about, uh, Carl Jung talks about paradox as a spiritual gift. Those times that we are purposely put in conflict with each other. So the, the Braving the Wilderness, the subtitle of the book is the, Seeking True Belonging and the, quest to the Courage to Stand Alone, all at the same time. So that is the paradox and spiritual gift that he was talking about. At this point in time, I want to kind of do a grounding exercise. Now, in this, I'm going to ask you to talk about a time you felt alone in yourself, alone from a group or a time you did not belong. But choose something you're willing to share. Don't make it so personal that, you know, that it's a little uncomfortable. But something you're willing to share. So at this point in time, let's kind of all close our eyes and take a moment, plant ourselves in a way that we can feel comfortable and aware. You might be aware of your feet and your body relaxing. 
might be aware of little fidgets, get those out of the way and get comfortable and start concentrating on your breath. And let's take a deep breath in and release. And let's do that about two more times. And one more big deep breath. So let's take to that moment, that moment where you felt like you did not belong in your memory. Let's place ourselves in that moment. Who was present? What sounds did you hear? Was there some sort of unique smell or feeling that happened? And in that moment, what exactly happened? Visualize it again. And again, I remind you, make sure you feel safe in this moment. And I ask you, as you're visualizing this moment, what was that group saying to you, either explicitly or implicitly? What did they say to you? How is it you felt like you didn't belong? Was it physically, emotionally? Was it a lack of connection? Was it a lack of emotion? What would you say to those folks now? And uh, in that very moment, what would need to happen or be present for the belonging to, to transform into some aspect of belonging? And as you ponder all these questions, take a deep breath in. And out. And with this next breath, you can open your eyes. You'll notice that feeling. Even I have it because my own story is the, the high school lunchroom. That first time, my freshman year of high school, when I didn't know where to sit. It's kind of like navigating that. That's my own personal story. But what I would like you all to do is we have three questions to consider. I've already did that. Break up into groups of two to three. You got about five minutes total to share your quick moment of your story and to answer these three questions for each other. What messages were you being told by the group, either overtly or inadvertently? What feelings emerged as a result from that? And what would you tell that group now? And, then, and be willing to share those with each other. So. In about 30 seconds, let's split into our groups and share those moments, and then we'll come back in about five minutes to kind of break that down a little bit.
This is your one-minute warning, one-minute warning. conversations and return back to focus here.
And I want to take a moment, we want to kind of capture some of the thoughts and feelings you all had about that. So just kind of a quick popcorn around the room. Let's talk about what feelings did you feel emerge in that discussion and what feelings did you have during the visualization? Just kind of pop them out real quick. Talking about an open culture, and if you don't handle criticism well, then what's the point? Okay. So unfair criticism, yeah. Unfair, all right. What else? Um, what came to mind immediately for me was not necessarily my own experience, but how, like, how I've not created that environment for someone else. Like, how, when have I created an environment where someone couldn't be authentic with me, or like, when have I required someone to be something? So the question, and I'm doing this for the purposes of our of people who can't hear and to our recording. Uh, Savannah pointed out that one of those moments that I have been the person who's caused someone to not feel truly belong. Those moments where I have caused them to force them to not be truly authentic to themselves. It's a tough question. In those moments, what were some of your thoughts or feelings about what you would tell that group now? That's the one I'm curious about I wish I didn't rely on them so much for validation I wish I didn't rely on them so much for validation Ooh. stand alone stand alone <laughs> be so careful to structure our time exactly the way we choose and do what we love to do so we don't have to go with the tribe and do what we don't want to do Structuring our times is a way to stay stay alone and not go necessarily with the tribe. Yeah. Um, that, uh, my words matter. Oh, yes. my words matter. Go ahead. Well, mine was the situation was feeling like people were looking at at me and thinking, "Who who are you? You know, like who are you?" And instead of coming from that place to go back to my seventh grade self and just say, well, hi, who are you? And tell me about you. And, you know, instead of feeling put upon to reach out to the who are you question. It's interesting. Brene Brown and some of our other work talks about shame and how it plays two tapes. One is you're not good enough, smart enough, bright enough, thin enough, pretty enough, whatever enough. And then you just sit on the second one, which is, well, who do you think you are? No, but not in that kind of way. Not in that kind of way? Oh, just the friendly. Oh, yeah. yeah so who are you? Tell okay. Me about, tell me about you. I like it better. I like your. I like. That's a way to transform that. I love that. Thank you. <laughs> You can agree and disagree in love. I agree with you on that, Miss Kathy. I agree with you a lot. Any other thoughts on that? Go ahead. I felt angry and sad, which you have to be careful when you're swimming in those waters. But that's if I were to go back to the group or when I, you know, sometimes mm-hmm. you're like driving down the road and you have these imaginary scenarios. It'd be a stand up and almost like vent that anger and sadness. 
What are you guys doing? Why didn't you pay attention? Or why didn't you care more? You know, what, what, you know, so. Angry and sadness. Yeah, they can be a dangerous combination. And one is usually caused by the other. Usually our hurt, our sadness and our hurt, is masked by anger. Sir. Can I be myself here? Oh, good question. Can I be myself here? I ask that one a lot. I thought he was asking us now. Yes. Yes, please do. Actually, we affirm that. But go ahead. It's not a sin to be sad. It's not a sin to be sad. Ooh, like that one too. If you've seen the movie In and Out, Inside and Out, I just watched it recently. It's in my head. So we're talking about all the major feels, feeling all the feels, and I'm allowed to have them. Thank you. I know. Oh, I have them. Thank you. Thank you, Kathy. I got them. Uh, as we kind of do that, the reason why we did this exercise this way, this is exactly the kind of work Brene Brown bases her stuff on. What she does is she goes and she has people go into moments like this tell that story, writes it down, and then creates her theories based off the thematic work out of these stories. You'll notice ideas and feelings of mattering and being able to tell people those things, our sadness, anger, all of those things, the thematic things that we saw today all came through even in this moment. And that's how she bases her theories and stories on those ideas. You know, maybe stories are just data with a soul is her quote. And I love that quote. So we're going to talk about right now moving forward into a basic checklist. This is your check-in checklist on how to go braving the world. If we can establish these things in braving, it is a checklist that going into that wilderness and ways to check in with ourselves and other people in integrity and authenticity. So I'm going to turn this over to Garrett, and we're going to kind of popcorn this one a little bit back and forth. So part of the work of belonging and making sure that it's a true belonging is trusting the group that you are trying to be a part of trusting your family trusting church sounds like an oxymoron but um trusting others to uh take care of your vulnerability choosing to risk making something that you value vulnerable to another person's actions okay that was her definition so there are seven elements of trust that she talks about both from like your critical checklist that Tony mentioned, and also for you to check yourself and make sure that you are um, are, are keeping this, this checklist for your own interest. So boundaries is number one. This, it spells braving. It's clever. She likes to use this acronym, braving. So the first, the B is boundaries. Respect my boundaries. When you don't know, ask. That's a, a way for you to um, establish safety when you first enter a group. R is reliability. Do what you say you'll do. Keep your promises. Accountability kind of goes with that. That's the A. Own your mistakes. Apologize. Make amends. Already, if someone had done those three things within our families, within our jobs, within relationships, how much better and how much safer and how much healthier would those interactions be? Uh, V, this one's big. Vault. Uh, As you could guess, it it has to do with confidentiality and, and like not spreading things. Share. Uh, don't share what's not yours to share. Some stories are not your stories to tell. And I think people get real crazy with this these days because of social media where they think they can just like tell whatever they saw, even though uh, sometimes you just let that person, just let people tell their own stories. Don't, don't share what's not yours to share. I is integrity. Choose courage over comfort. Uh, practice your values instead of just professing them. Basically, you know, put your actions where your mouth is. N is non-judgment. I can ask for what I need. Um, I can do it without judgment. And I can uh, let you ask for what you need without judging you. And then, yeah, go ahead. When it comes to non-judgment, how many people are good at 
offering help when it's needed. Just kind of raise your hand. How many of those same people, how many of us are really good at asking for help? For ourselves. For ourselves. Asking help for ourselves. Who's good at that? I see two people. (laughs) And you all are amazing people. You've done a lot of work and it shows that that's true. Uh, Here's the thing. I'm going to ruin that for you when it comes to non-judgment. Could it totally ruin this for you? Your help that you offer is only as non-judgmental as the help you're willing to take. So if you're willing to help, ask for help to the level of, hey, I'm hurting here and I really need someone to talk to, I need help, then you're doing that. Otherwise, you're coming from a place of judgment. I'm helping you and God is on my side. Bless your heart. (laughs) That is the story that she tells. It drives me nuts because this is the one that hurts me a lot. I'm like, oh yeah, I'm willing to help all the but Asking for help? One other thing I'll mention about asking for help, those people who don't ask for help is a sign of addiction, it is a sign of a lot of heart problems, and it is a sign of a lot of other issues and societal issues. Be aware of that. If you're not willing to ask for help, why? That's one of those, this is the one I'm working on, obviously, so I'm probably projecting (laughs) a little bit. Probably having a projection moment, but really, honestly, the non-judgment, but that also goes to yourself. And that's one thing. When are we all, when are we going to be non-judging to ourselves? And that's just that's again. That's the, part of the cool part about doing a, a Brene Brown series is like you can work on your own issues like publicly. It's great. Uh, the G, no safe space, no judgment. Do your thing. G is generosity. Extend the most generous interpretation possible. Basically, uh, assume the best in people um, with their intentions, their words, and their actions. Okay, so this is braving, and this checklist also flips to, you can ask yourself, did I respect my boundaries? Was I reliable? Did I hold myself accountable? Did I respect the vault, and did I share appropriately? Did I act from my values? This is not just a checklist for you to share, uh, to put upon institutions and groups and family members and stuff like that. Ask yourself these things, if you're keeping these things. This is a great um, kind of visualization for you to like jot down or kind of keep in your, keep in your mind. Tony's going to come up, and we're going to talk about um, what's next for this content. We're unfortunately almost out of time. We're going to talk a little bit about where this series is headed, what else we'll talk about from the book, and where you can find us. And again, I appreciate you all letting me have my moment there. Um, In the process of everything, what this is, this is only chapter two that we covered today. This is not even, we've captured one and two of this entire book. It is filled with some of the most interesting wisdom of today in ways that we can do that. So I mentioned paradox earlier. These are the four paradoxes we're going to cover in the workshop. People are hard to hate close up. Move in. Speak truth to, and she says BS in the book, but we all know what she means. And if there's a child present, I'm sorry, it's bullshit. Speak truth to bullshit. Because there's a difference between an outright lie and bullshit. And they talk about that. And we will break down that in that thing. And then at the same time, while you're speaking that truth, be civil. Hold hands, period, with strangers. Those moments of vulnerability with complete strangers can be some of the most powerful. And I learned that when I was a chaplain at a hospital. But some of the most important things we can do is to be that generous to a stranger. And last but not least, and one of my favorite, strong back, soft front, wild heart. Strong back, having the courage and compassion to stand up for the checklist that we mentioned earlier. At the same time, soft front, an aspect of vulnerability 
And of course, my favorite, The Wild Heart. But I leave you with Brene Brown's last thoughts, paraphrased. In the end, at some point, you're going to go out into the wilderness and someone's going to tell you, don't do it. It's scary out there. You're not strong enough, good enough, dot, 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 enough. Or who do you think you are? Someone so much better than me, dot, 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 shame. But in the end, you have to dig down into your wild heart. And remember, I'm not going in the wilderness. I am the wilderness. Thank you. Thank you all for um, being part of this conversation tonight, which is um, the beginning of a series of conversations that Garrett and Tony will be leading. First two dates, uh, September and 11th and 27th are the, the first two of those gatherings. And you'll be hearing more on like social media, so keep an eye out there. All right, receive this uh, prayer as we conclude our night. Gracious God, hear our prayers for a welcome which communicates verbally and non-verbally, implicitly and explicitly, and in word and deed, for a welcome which requires our authentic humility, honest connection, and active compassion, for a welcome which embodies beloved community, appreciation for differences, and an open table. Shalom, salam, namaste, peace upon all who are here tonight and all those who are absent but still in need of community and love. Amen. Amen. Go in peace. <laughs>